15 seconds, a home is broken into. That's why you need United Nations Home Security. United Nations Home Security protects your home exactly how the United Nations has protected countries since 1945. Dispatching to your house a team of highly trained, unarmed observers. Their job is to watch the burglar and take notes. His every move is seen and carefully documented. Then our 192-member United Nations Home Security Council debates until everyone can agree on an appropriate response, such as economic incentives. And if that doesn't work, economic sanctions. And if that also doesn't work, strongly worded condemnations. And if nothing else works, we will be forced to invite the burglar to join the United Nations Home Security Council. United Nations Home Security. There's nothing we wouldn't do for you. But little we can. We also offer home humanitarian aid. Mommy, I'm hungry. Hey, hey, hey. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to Inane. Halloween's right around the corner, but set that aside for a minute. Mark November 17th on your calendar, because that's the release date for Tiger King 2 on Netflix. I had no idea they were even doing a second season of that show. Joe Exotic's in jail, right? Game over. But I watched the trailer the other day, and there, apparently there's a lot more to that story. But did you see this story on the news this morning? Apparently this plane was flying from JFK to John Wayne Airport here in Santa Ana. And yet another knucklehead who doesn't like the federal mask mandate on aircrafts refuses to wear his mask. So this stewardess, sorry, airline attendant, <laughs> uh, she's arguing with him, trying to get the guy to put his mask on. Well, finally, he punches her in the face and breaks her nose. The blood coming out of her mask and everything. So the other attendant called for two able-bodied men to come and restrain this cocksucker. They landed the plane in Denver and they arrested him. What the balls on this prick? Hitting a woman and hitting her so hard you break her nose? The hell is wrong with people? If you're a man, you don't lay your hands on women. I'm surprised the guys they called over to restrain this guy. They didn't punch his fucking teeth in. Then they were talking about all the other times that this has happened this year. Did you know this happened before on a flight? One guy punched a woman in the mouth and knocked two of her teeth out. I mean, Jesus Christ, what's going on with people? They ran the stats too. Over 3,000 incidents in the past year on airplanes and only a little over 200 of them ended in some form of prosecution. How are people supposed to take these FAA guidelines seriously? There's a one in five chance that something's going to happen to you if you get rough with flight staff. It should be a one in one chance, or this is just going to keep happening. I know what a pain in the ass it is to wear your mask for that long. All right, 90 minutes in the airport, another three or four hours on the plane, Another 30 minutes when you arrive, you got to wait for your baggage. It's a bitch, I agree. But everyone else follows the rules. What, you're special? 
You must be special. You punch women in the face. Special Olympic special. Fucking wacko. Honestly, you have to be wackadoo to get into a physical altercation on an airplane. I'll tell you this much. I don't have any luck, right? I'd be that one in five that went to jail. I hope they throw the book at this punk. And I hope he gets it up the ass while he's locked up too. Fuck him. Got a chance to see No Time to Die in the theater with a buddy of mine the other night. First time I've been in a theater in about two years. It wasn't the greatest Bond movie, and certainly not the greatest since Craig took over as James Bond, but they certainly did send him off in style. I thought the ending was a bit corny, but it certainly makes you wonder what's next for this franchise. Where is it going to go from here, right? I mean, the movie has made half a billion dollars, but get this, the budget's $300 million. Three hundred million. Holy shit. That's how much it, it costs to make this film. It's loud. It's action packed. Makes Bond seem more like a human being than a ruthless killer. But tons of explosions. Now, the big news story from this past weekend was that situation that happened on the set of the movie Rust in New Mexico. Alec Baldwin was handed a prop gun to fire towards the camera by an assistant director but didn't check the weapon to see if it actually had live rounds in it. And Baldwin was told that the gun was cold, meaning that it had nothing in it. Actually, it contained live rounds that ended up killing the cinematographer and then went right through her and went into the director of the movie. Just a major tragedy. It turns out, whenever guns are used in a movie, they have what's called an armorer who's responsible for the weapons that they use. And she was previously called out for mishandling guns before on another movie. Everyone had theories of what might have happened, but I'm sure the investigators were going to get to the bottom of it, and more information comes out by the hour. But my immediate thought was, why were they even intending on using a gun with blanks in it in the first place? You can pretend to fire a weapon on film, and you just take the footage into a computer, add sparks and smoke from the muzzle using After Effects or any other CGI application, even add a quick animation of a casing being ejected, and then use ADR for sound effects. There's no reason to be firing an actual weapon on a movie set anymore. But then I'm reading that the movie was low budget. You know, people who were working on the movie were being forced to work long hours, hadn't been paid in weeks because the producers, you know, couldn't afford it. Well, guess who one of the producers is? It's Alec Baldwin. You don't go into production on a movie if you don't have the money to produce it so that everyone gets paid and you can afford at least a little bit of post-production magic instead of firing an actual weapon on the set. That maybe would have cost them $1,000 to use special effects for that scene. Instead, a talented cinematographer is dead, leaves behind her husband and son. Just terrible. But the movie industry is slowly dying, everyone. I'm here to tell you. And they can't blame COVID. COVID was just the fiber that pushed the poop through the intestines, to be honest. They've made movies too expensive to produce because actors get greedier and greedier. And a good story happens so infrequently that these large studios are swimming in a sea of remakes and sequels. Just sad. It's pathetic. So this guy's watching porn on TV, and his wife walks in the room. He quickly changes it to a fishing channel. 
And as she's walking out of the room, she turns to him. She says, you should go ahead and change it back to porn. You already know how to fish. (laughs) I meant to tell this story a few weeks ago when it happened, but I kept forgetting to put it in my topics list. It was a few Saturdays ago. I had just come back from a bike ride with Mark, and I was taking my bike and other gear out of my car. So I've got my bike in one hand, got my gear in the other, and I see one of my neighbors from down the way coming towards me. It's like waving at me. I recognize him, but I don't know his name. I can't remember his name. He's like this. Hey, you've been on my mind a lot lately. How you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm great. Thanks for asking. Sunny day. Just got back from my bike ride with my buddy. You know, my body's tired, but, you know, my brain is jacked up. Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking about you a lot. Wonder how you're holding up. I'm like, okay, this is fucking weird. He's thinking about me a lot. Then I realized who this guy was. He and his wife, one of the neighbors who hung out with me on that terrible day when I lost my wife. How long's it been now? Like, oh, over 15 months. Oh, I see. Well, I feel for you. I've been there myself. Like, oh, you have? You lost two wives? Yep, sure did. So you doing okay? Yeah, motherfucker, I'm doing okay. Let it go. Don't don't I look like I'm doing okay? I'm sitting here, I'm smiling at you, I'm wearing spandex, holding my bike. I want out of this conversation. But then he says, How long was it between wives for you? I said, oh... Seven years, one month, almost to the day. Yeah, mine was much shorter. Three months. Like, three months? Dude, you lost your wife, remarried, and then lost another wife in three months? Like, how long were you married before? 22 years. (laughs) Like, okay, well, I was with Katrina 22 years. Yeah, very sad. So you're doing okay then? I'm like, all right, now I'm fucking done, right? I don't want to be rude. So I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry you had to go through that. You know, at least I was able to enjoy having her in my life as, you know, as, as long as I did. I miss her every day. I have a great support system. I feel better every day. But I got to get going. <laughs> I, got, I got a lot of water to drink. I got to take a shower. Like, honestly, dude, just let me go, right? You've been nice, but I got to run. So we part. I get back to my house, get a shower, drink a bunch of water, and I get back into my car to do some grocery shopping. And I'm irritated that he asked me five times how I was doing after I gave him an answer, like he doesn't believe me. And I appreciate the concern, right? I really do. But if I say I'm okay, I'm okay. Then as I'm shopping, it hits me. This motherfucker lost his wife, got remarried, then loses his second wife in three months How is that even possible? I told this story to my friend Frank, and he says maybe he was already in that relationship before his first wife passed away. I'm like, that was it. You know how many stories I was told back then about men who started to have an affair after they found out their wife was diagnosed with cancer? This guy's a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, right? But I'm not going to call him a fucking liar, right? I'm not saying it's not possible. Anything's possible. But Jesus Christ, I didn't want to ask any questions, right? I don't really need to know, don't want to know, but holy shit. I mean, 22 years of marriage, 
and you hop right into a new relationship almost immediately. You get married and she passes away in a matter of three fucking months. At least I waited longer than that. How do you lose two wives and then have the courage to try your hand at another marriage? Make those words till death do you part. They'll haunt the shit out of you. Trust me. I don't like talking about this stuff, so I don't normally, but that conversation was just too much. He's a nice man. His wife is very nice. And believe me, all my neighbors were incredibly gracious on that day and going forward. And they rallied around me with support, right? I'll never forget them. As much as I'd like to forget that day. And when I think about this stuff, I get sad. And sometimes I cry, right? It's personal. But my goodness. I'm just thinking, am I a topic of conversation with these people? I hope I'm not. You never want to be the person people pity, right? But it's human nature to feel bad when tragedy strikes someone. So I understand. Yeah. <laughs> he talks like this. <sighs> just a very odd conversation. Maybe I need to move. <laughs> right? Get the hell out of here. You know my favorite thing to watch on YouTube? Hot Ones from First We Feast. They'll get all these celebrities on there and make them eat chicken wings with these hot sauces that get hotter as they go. Now, if you've never tried something like this where you taste hot sauces that progressively get hotter, I can assure you it's not pleasant. I was a chili head in my 20s and 30s, but you know, eventually my tongue and my digestive system could, just couldn't take it anymore. I'm not sure if any of you from the my life days remember the Thai food challenge that I did with my friend Joe at Jitlada in LA. It was a dynamite ghost pepper challenge where they would serve all these dishes from their menu, but they'd use boot jalokia peppers in each dish. It was the ghost pepper, which at the time was the, the, I guess it was the most commonly known as the hottest pepper in the world. And then they keep finding these new ones that are hotter, like Carolina Reaper. God only knows whatever fiendish pepper they've got now. But the food was delicious. The sensation was incredible. But the day after, that was the worst. It felt like my insides were melting. Once you get past the inferno-like sensation of these peppers, your head starts to sweat. Like my hair was wet while I was eating. It was dastardly. You got this tingling sensation in your scalp. And the thing about these hot sauces is that once you reach over 300,000 Scovilles, they start adding pure capsicum to these hot sauces. And capsicum tastes like shit. So not only are you getting this heat sensation that feels like someone's tied a brick to your balls, but they're like, that's like they're spraying Clorox in your mouth on top of that. Like, I still enjoy hot sauce. I make my own hot sauce. But I don't do any of the extreme stuff anymore. I was at a work lunch once. And we went to this restaurant that had a hot sauce rack on the wall where you could pick any of the sauces you wanted to spice your dish up with. I can't remember which one I chose, but it was so hot, my ears were ringing, and I couldn't make out half of what any, anyone was saying. And I think that's when I realized I needed to tap out. And on the subject of heat, while we're talking about it, there's all, all this talk now about climate change and global warming and how we need to start saving the earth and taking it seriously. Let me tell you something. All of this isn't about saving the earth. It's about saving us. The earth is 4.5 billion years old. It was around long before us, and it's going to be around long after we're gone. And I'm here to tell you, 
we're not going to we're not going to inhabit this planet forever. All right? We've mistreated it like frat boys treat girls that visit their dorm. Like all this talk about saving the planet, it's just narcissistic. We can't do anything to the earth that it can't bounce back from. But we can sure deplete it of the things that we need for survival, like the ionosphere, water, you know, temperatures that don't exceed 120 degrees for any length of time. I love being in the outdoors, right? Enjoying nature and feeling at one with it. But now that I'm, I've convinced myself that by the time I hit my 90s, the earth is going to be, it's going to be a real pain in the ass place to hang around in. So I'm going to push myself for the next 30 years to enjoy as much of it as I can while I still can. And I suggest you do the same. And you can poo-poo the science all you like, all right, if you wish. But the trends are there. Natural catastrophes are going to start becoming as common as automobile accident reports on your local news. So just keep barfing that industrial smoke into the air and stop recycling. Because I don't think there's any turning back. All we can do now is slow the inevitable. But every country has to have a hand in climate change, okay? Not just us. Economic greed seems to be the more important thing for a lot of these countries, and it's just really sad. So, Halloween's happening on Sunday. And the one thing I haven't done for a couple years now that I used to always love doing in the month of October is watch horror movies. Not slasher flicks. Classic horror. The universal black and whites. Dracula, Frankenstein, The Mummy, Wolfman, all those flicks. I've got most of those on Blu-ray now. Never really got into slasher flicks, especially after the mid-90s, when they started getting really stupid. When I was in high school and college, films like Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, the Halloween movies, those were always great. But the only reason my friends and I would watch these back then was because you were almost always guaranteed nudity. Like, that was the upside. The downside was that you knew about 10 seconds after you saw the girl's tits, she was getting whacked. And there's nothing sexy about that. But hey, look, when you're in your late teens, early 20s, back then, you took what you could get when you could get it. It's funny how incredibly juvenile and stupid the male brain works when you're young. right? Then as you get older, you're looking for movies that not only still contain nudity, but gunfights, loud explosions, and watching the bad guys get it in the end. Then you get even older... Suddenly, you're watching art house films with your girlfriend or your wife. Until the crying game (laughs) came out. At the end, you realize that the character you thought was a girl the whole time actually had a penis. Then, suddenly, you're not into art house films that much. You're back to watching war dramas. Until you experience tragedy in your life, and then all you want to do is watch comedies. And I wonder if that's why I'm not watching those classic horror films now. Man, that therapy really paid off, didn't it? (laughs) I was going back. I was trying to remember the last time that I actually went trick-or-treating as a kid. And it was when I was 12. By the time I was 13, we were living in Arkansas. And I was living in the sticks. Like, literally, if you wanted to go trick-or-treating out there where I was living, it was two acres or more between houses. And there were no streetlights, all dirt roads. And also, I was living with my aunt and uncle, who were deeply religious people. And they, you know, they thought Halloween was like a pagan holiday. But talk about having the childhood squeezed right out of you. Anyway, I was still living in California when I was 12. 
And my mom wasn't one of these helicopter parents, right? So she let me head out with a group of my friends. And when I think back to how those things were back then, compared to how they are now, I feel lucky that I got to experience what I did. We were all over the place. We not only canvassed our neighborhood, we went everywhere. Must have walked five miles that night. We only stopped when the pillowcases that we were using to collect candy got too heavy to carry around. But there were two houses that stood out that night. I'm 12, right? I can still remember this night. This one woman gave out quarters. Like, fuck the candy, here's some cash. And back then, if you give a kid a quarter, that was a full-size candy bar of your choice at the local liquor store. It was gold. But the second house that stood out was even better. This woman was dressed as a she-devil, and she had this massive rack. I don't even think I looked at her face. She dropped whatever candy, who gave a shit, she was passing out. I don't know. I didn't even care about candy at this point. I just froze. Just stared at this woman's tits. Mind you, I'm 12, okay? My friends and I are walking down her driveway, and I stopped for a second. I was trying to think, how can we go back there again so I can get one last glance at this woman? I know she has to be long gone by now, but I wish I could go back in time and thank that woman for making one kid's last Halloween one of the greatest moments of his childhood. (laughs) People wonder how I grew up to be a a fiendish horn dog. (laughs) I swear, if you hadn't hit puberty by that point, that night would have done it. I came across another beauty of a video this week. Apparently, the family of Bob Marley sent DJ Khaled one of their new Marley-branded acoustic guitars with a special case, and they sent a personalized note. So he posts this video to Instagram. He has his assistant read the note while he sits there with his ham hands all over this guitar, looking smug into the camera like he's some kind of badass. And before I play this, I want to say this. I need to say that I have never respected Khaled as an artist or a musician. He's a very successful music producer and record executive. But every time I've seen him get up on stage with one of the artists that he's produced music for, all he does is get his big fat ass up there and scream his name over and over throughout the song. That's all he does. If there was ever a poster boy for narcissism, he's it. All right, listen to this. Get a close-up, get a close-up, get a close-up of the case, the guitar, you know what I'm saying? And a special note from the Marley family. Shout out to the Marley. Melissa, can you read this for me? Can you read this to the world, please? Okay. Um, DJ Khaled, we're excited to share this new guitar with you. As someone who has an appreciation for Bob Marley's life and music, we want you to be one of the first to play the Gildy 20 Marley based on Bob's at-home songwriting guitar from 56 Hope Road. This guitar-inspired songs that help unite the world, and we hope it gives you inspiration as well. He's not only torturing our ears, he's torturing the poor guitar. (laughs) Fingers aren't even on the frets of the neck. Just his big fat ham hand going up and down on it while he beats this guitar to death.
need to tell me in all that time that he spent around musicians, he hasn't learned to play at least one single chord. Like, I'm not a guitarist, okay? I have tried and failed more times than I care to mention. But I can do four bars here and there and at least get something out of it that doesn't sound like a, like a fucking dog running back and forth on top of it. What a joke he is. So smug, too. Read this for the world. <laughs> Dude, I think the world deserves better than that. Oh, man, that was priceless. And then Facebook announced the name of their new rebranding this morning. Meta. Wow, that's catchy. Boy, they're really doing all they can to run from trouble right now, aren't they? They know they're fucked. Remember when Philip Morris was getting all kinds of heat because they were tangled up in litigation over the fact that they knew their cigarettes were giving people cancer? So they changed their name to Altria Group. And no one says Altria Group. They say Philip Morris. That's what's happening right now. But it took 70-some-odd years before Philip Morris changed its name. How long has Facebook been around? Not that long. Just lame. Got Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and Oculus. You honestly need to blanket three web services and, and one pair of ugly goggles for nerds? No, you don't need to. But you do if you want people to stop calling you Facebook. Well, got bad news for you. Guess what? You're always going to be Facebook. And you're always going to suck. Meta. Rhymes with vendetta. Hey, just a reminder. This will be the last episode of a name until November 18th. I have some things going on. They're going to be taking my attention. So this episode is it for another three weeks. I appreciate your constant support of the show. And I love that you're listening. So have a great weekend. Take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I return to the mic. Until then, my name is Phil. And this has been a name. Ciao.